The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Avery and Robbie here for your Purdue recap, Michigan State preview. Nebraska moving to five and three on the season, thirty-one to fourteen win over Purdue. We were just discussing some calling it ugly. Rule kind of discussed it a little bit in the press conferences. He says parts of it were ugly, and he's aware of that. But he also thought this was just a tough game. That's kind of what this team is right now for Nebraska. What were your thoughts when you were watching this game? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think both are right. You know, it, it's definitely ugly at times, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the. To me, it's the mistakes that are ugly, yes. right? Stylistically, I can live with that. I can live with, you know, as Coach Rule says, stopping the run and running the football. He thinks that's pretty cool, as he likes to say, right? I think that's pretty cool, too. That's a style of play that has been historically successful, not just at Nebraska, but just about everywhere you go. If you can run the ball and you can stop the run, you're going to be successful uh, to a certain degree at the very least. Where it gets ugly for me is the turnovers, the fumbles, yeah. the yeah. things where – you're playing sloppy football, that's where it goes from tough to ugly. I can live with tough football. The ugly is, is the mistakes that need to get cleared up. Now, that being said, the mistakes do give them more opportunities to play tough football, mm -hmm. which I appreciate that this team answers the bell pretty consistently. You know, there's been times, you know, I, I was sitting here at Herd at Sports Bar um, with some people watching the game, and when it gets to 24 to 14 and we're sitting here and everybody's getting a little uncomfortable because we've seen this movie play out before and it goes a very different direction mm -hmm. rather than just holding on for dear life and and you know let's say Purdue scores again all of a sudden it's 24 21 and you're getting real uncomfortable Nebraska comes back answers sticks it back out to a three possession lead and everybody feels okay again right. it does leave a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth because of when the mistakes came yeah. primarily in the fourth quarter but this team is has been tough and they have answered those mistakes with either execution on the offensive or defensive side of the ball more often than not defensive side of the ball let's be honest but Having that ability to answer mistakes with toughness, I think, is what Matt Rule probably finds to be the beautiful part of, mm -hmm. of what his team's doing. Yeah, when you see on a stat sheet that there's five fumbles, four lost, and you're almost shutting out a team at the time, mm -hmm. how, like, does that say 
enough about what this defense has done for Nebraska so far this season. And I know Rule touched on it. Like, you know, when it look, when you look at it, we thought by the stats and stuff, it was a really great performance. And looking at the tape, it actually wasn't as great as we thought it was. Mm-hmm. But to know that the defense came in at four different times when the ball was put on the ground and to hold this Purdue team almost scoreless until the end, mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible when you think about what it could be if those five fumbles were not or the fumble situation in general across the entire season. Sure, yeah, and it's, I mean, you even look at it, only six of those points were given up by the defense, right? right. The other one was the fumble return for the touchdown with the defense didn't even get a chance yeah. to stop them. You know, I'm fully, I fully expect if they're able to chase down that Purdue defender oh, and tackle him, yeah. that defense is not letting him score yep. again after that, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, you look at it, and, and I appreciate that Coach Rule is able to say, hey, yeah, we put on a good performance, but there are still areas where we can get better. Um, I've been so impressed with this defense, though, because they get put in bad positions constantly. And it's not just the physical of, hey, they're able to execute. It's the despite – I mean, this has happened all year. We're, we're, We're eight games in at this point. And there is zero sign of fatigue from this defense of saying just mental fatigue of being like, hey, you're really going to do this to us again. The offense is really going to put us in this position again. You don't see any of that. What you see is almost an excitement of let's go show people who we are. Let's go pick up our brothers on that side of the ball and give them an opportunity to be able to be in good scoring position. Maybe they don't put us in the best opportunity sometimes, but <laughs> they look at it as a chance to prove themselves mm-hmm. and to to get this team to victories. I, I love the way the defense responds and am blown away by how consistently they respond. Yeah, we talked a few weeks ago before the Illinois game about how Coach Rule challenges team. You need his playmakers to step up. You mm-hmm. need those players to really show up. And I feel like since that Illinois game, we've definitely seen some players emerge. One of them we discussed was we we'd felt Quentin Newsom's presence a little bit, but maybe not to the extent in which we knew he could play mm-hmm. and kind of what we've seen in the last few weeks. Now he's on the special teams player of the week this week. Out of the other players that we maybe discussed, or maybe it is just Quentin Newsom for you, has anyone else really emerged as a leader or a playmaker on that side of the ball? especially just after this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, the the guy that jumps right to the top of the list for me is Tommy Hill, yeah. right? Because that's a guy that, I mean, earlier in the year, a lot of us are wondering, hey, why does this guy play so much? You know, he had some mistakes. He had some errors early on in the season. And, you know, he's playing both sides of the ball. And we're like, hey, is this guy actually, like, good enough that we want him doing all of these things? And it seems like they've backed off on the offensive stuff a little bit. But at in that moment, it's also improved his defensive right. ability. He had the two interceptions, obviously, against Purdue. But this is a guy that gradually has been playing dramatically better over the last few weeks on the defensive side of the ball. And you see what this coaching staff has seen in him. Yeah. You see the the playmaking ability. You see the um, just the elite-level athleticism that Tommy Hill brings to the table that for the first few games of the season – I at least was kind of wondering, like, hey, what's going on with this guy? Maybe we should try something else. Tommy Hill has really emerged. And what I really appreciate about a guy like Tommy Hill is he kind of, in one guy in his season, epitomizes what we were just talking about between the offense and the defense, right? Mm -hmm. He had to keep coming back because he was maybe not putting himself in great positions to succeed. He was maybe not putting the rest of his defense in great positions to succeed. And instead of being out on Tommy Hill, instead of saying, hey, we're going to go in a different direction, we're going to try something else, the rest of the defense picked him up. The coaching staff picked him up. And then he was able to pick himself up, and you see him able to perform. Like, I get it wasn't a great offensive performance against Purdue, 
Nebraska still put 31 points on the board. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> Iowa, Northwestern, Minnesota would kill to put up 31 <laughs> points on the board, right? I know I know Northwestern scored 33 against Maryland, but if you're in the Big Ten West and you score 30 any way that you do it, okay. that's a pretty good day for uh-huh. you. And so even as, you know, you mentioned playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, but we saw Malachi Coleman yep. a couple weeks ago. We saw Jalen Lloyd. We've seen Jaden Doss start to make mm-hmm. plays. Emmett Johnson had a nice run and ended up having a touchdown in this game as well. You're seeing it not just on the defensive side of the ball. I do think they're getting better on offense. And if they're able to clean up the turnovers even a little bit, I think you're going to start to see it even more. Yeah, I'm going to stay right there on the offense and the young guys. We have two guys back-to-back, as you just said, who have the longest reception touchdowns in the season so far, and these two freshmen that we've heard talks about. We know they were coming. It seems like they were developing, and then they got thrown into the mix, mm-hmm. and they show up big for, the, for Nebraska. And then another situation is the offensive line this week. They get – Young guys thrown into the mix, got to be called upon. And, yes, I would say Heinrich was maybe pressured a little bit more than he was used to, but nothing that it felt like there was a panic button, you know. And I feel like there was so much discussion hasn't even really been about how the offensive line performed because I think the next guys just filled the gap pretty well. Did you feel like there was a huge change, or how do you feel like the consistency held up with those young guys up there on the front line? Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing I can say about it is I didn't notice a huge difference. Right. I did really didn't notice a drop off it's a lot of the things we've been talking about with the defense as well we'll see a guy go out on defense we'll be like hey we haven't seen him in a while you know happened with Deshaun Singleton happened with Omar Brown against Purdue who's uh who's in the concussion protocol we found out but you know you have these guys who who are impact players they're good players and then all of a sudden you've got guys rotating in they're like oh I didn't even notice (laughs) that the first guy was out that's the best thing I've been able to say about the defense is you know Luke Reimer was out and yeah, maybe they were a little bit worse, but you barely even notice that he's missing, and that's a testament to what they've built on that defensive side of the ball. I think you do have to get give uh, Donnie Rayola some credit here on the offensive line because uh, while this hasn't, this has been a, a pretty heavily criticized group. You know, Coach Rule mentioned, okay, if I had told you coming into the year we're going to be first in the Big Ten in rushing, yep. we're going to be first in the Big Ten in ten plus yard rushes. How do you think the d- the offensive line would be playing? What yeah, would your do, assumption? How do you do that? Yeah, yeah. How what would your assumption about how the offensive line is playing? And the assumption would be that they're playing great football, right? Mm-hmm. And now part of it's you're rushing the ball more frequently, but it's not like Nebraska's having these super high possession, high play num- number of play games where they're rushing 60, 70 times. I'm not sure they've broken 50 this year in mm-hmm. terms of rushes in a game. Yeah, 48's a high number, but they're getting it done on the offensive line, at least in the the run blocking. The pass protection sometimes does leave a little bit to be desired, but I don't know how you can look at some of the numbers, especially rushing the football, and have a whole lot bad to say about the offensive line. Are there moments you'd like to see him perform a little bit better? Yeah, but again, if, you, if we didn't have this preconceived notion in our head that it was a bad offensive line coming into the season, how would we actually feel about it? Right. And I think it would be a lot different. Yeah, so turning our attention out of the Michigan State matchup this week, another team kind of an odd position. They sit at 2-6. and six. Their first two wins came in the first two weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Now they're 0-5 in the conference, but they're still a pretty tough team. They've had to go through a lot of things this season, try to rally around one another. But you spoke with some Michigan State writers this week. Kind of what's the sentiment around the team, maybe how they're – seem to be feeling about the Nebraska game this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think the worry with Michigan State, both kind of internally and externally, is that it just doesn't feel like they have a ton to play for right now. It doesn't seem like they have a ton left going for them in this season. And 
not that you want to say guys are quitting, but I think there's a, a little bit of they might be broken. Their spirit might be a little yeah. bit broken at this point in the season. It's been incredibly challenging, obviously, with your head coach getting fired. That's the guy that most of these players came here to play for. Yeah. And then as soon as that happens, you get beat up pretty bad by Washington. You get beat up pretty bad by Maryland. You end up, you know, a couple weeks later, you get beat up by Michigan and then Minnesota as well. I just wonder how much they have left in the tank knowing, hey, this isn't, you know, it, it's Harlan Barnett's probably not the head coach next year. I don't even know if I'm going to be here next year. Right. You have a lot of questions with this team, and I just wonder how much they have left to kind of band together and put up a fight against a Nebraska team that's playing well. I mean, say what you will about how it's looked. They've won five of their last six games. They didn't lose in the month of October. This is as well as Nebraska has played football since 2016, mm -hmm. like full stop. Like there's really no way around it. And then you look at the rest of the, uh, the you look at the rest of the Michigan State schedule after Nebraska. They go it, at it Ohio State. They might have a shot at Indiana, and you got Penn State for them to wrap up the year. I mean, three of the last four games here are against teams that really have something to play for. Nebraska playing for the Big Ten West, playing for bowl eligibility, playing for just pride because they believe in their coach at this point. And then obviously Ohio State trying to win a national championship. Penn State trying to get to the – honestly, trying to get to college football playoffs still. Yep, yep. This is a team that's playing a lot of teams with a lot to play for still, and you just wonder what's Michigan State still playing for. Yeah. You know, something they will have on their side is their last home game. Mm -hmm. So I assume maybe a senior day yep. kind of thing happening there. So they've got that on their side. Mm -hmm. It's a first road game in a while for Nebraska, especially since coming off a of bye week. So Nebraska will be tested in some areas. Mm -hmm. We'll see what the weather has to do this weekend. But I feel like the focus is only on Nebraska this weekend. And I think that's how Nebraska focuses on it. It's a Absolutely. one to know mentality. Every week, we're only going to focus on what we can control from maybe the mistakes seen on the field, the obvious fumbles, turnovers. This seems like another huge opportunity for Nebraska to take this game and perfect those things in a quick turnaround. Mm -hmm. What do you expect to see from Nebraska? And I keep saying response games, but I know they're winning mm -hmm. and they're playing pretty good football, but there's things that could be cleaned up when they have opponents such as this one that's 0-5 in conference. Like mm -hmm. you said, maybe a broken spirit. These are games where you can turn around pretty quickly and maybe make those adjustments pretty quick and prove not only to the coaching staff, but to this team in general that we can make these adjustments and we can go beat up on a team. Yeah, I mean, I would expect one of the things from – Nebraska that I would expect here is I think they're going to continue to force those turnovers. That was something that was missing earlier yep. in the season with the defense. It's kind of started to build momentum here with the quarterback situation at Michigan State. It seems like true freshman Sam Levitt is going to be the starter here. If it's not, it's going to be Hauser, who's a redshirt freshman. And those guys have thrown three touchdowns to four interceptions. They don't have a ton of um, of experience. Either one of them, neither one of them has thrown even 100 passes um, on the on the season so far. So this is a really tricky situation for Michigan State, and I think Nebraska can take advantage of that, especially in the passing game. What I would love to see from Nebraska early is to get out to an early lead, punch Michigan State in, in the mouth, and force them into passing the ball probably more than they want to and give themselves this opportunity to really turn the screws on the Michigan State offense and put a lot of pressure on the yeah. quarterback and put a lot of pressure on them to create turnovers for Nebraska's offense to be put in good positions. You know, we've kind of seen this progression between Illinois to Northwestern to Purdue and 
kind of the margin spreading out a little bit, you feeling a little bit better about the way they're playing. This might be the one for me if Nebraska comes out focused the way they need to, that they come out and actually just kind of dominate mm -hmm. an opponent in a way that maybe we'll be a little bit more comfortable with the visuals of it. Yeah, agreed. I think the biggest thing, starting quick and starting correct mm -hmm. from the Nebraska team, and I think they kind of have to have this one because the next three, although probably winnable games, you're still on the road for a Wisconsin game that has a great atmosphere, and then Maryland's a tough team, and then you have Iowa, which is always going to be an Iowa-Nebraska game. So we'll see what happens this week at Michigan State. We'll be here next week to recap what happens in that one and look forward to the Maryland game back in weekend. A Heard at Sports Network production.